Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. So this religious leader comes to Jesus, and he tries to draw him and lure him into a controversial topic. He tries to really, it says that he sought to test Jesus, to lure him into a conversation where he could expose Jesus's false teaching, expose something false about Jesus. And so he asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And surprisingly, that was a really controversial topic, and he wanted to lure Jesus into the weeds of politicized viewpoints around the law and about the resurrection. But Jesus just has this knack, you know, that's what I just love about Jesus. He has this knack to just cut through all the complexity and get to the core, the core issue, and that is this issue of compassion. The call to be people who love God and love our neighbor and who demonstrate that lifestyle of love through compassion. The religious expert wants to justify himself. So Jesus explains it to him, you know, asks him, well, what do you say? And he's like, well, to love God and love your neighbor. But then it's like the religious leader are, feels like it's too, it's too simple, it's too easy. And so he wants to justify his question. Thinking to himself, surely it can't be as clear as you're saying, Jesus, just be compassionate. And so Jesus launches into this parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan. The topic of of racial inequality is a really controversial, politicized topic. And one of the tools of the enemy is to politicize critical issues. So it's like, becomes like a porcupine. It's hard to even touch or talk about with people. And that goes for this issue, racial inequality. It's hard to even talk about without fearing that we're offending somebody or stepping on someone's political viewpoint toes. And yet that's where Jesus takes the conversation. And Jesus just cuts through the complexity by calling people to radical compassion. And that's the focus of our message. What does it mean for us in this time to be people of radical compassion? And so as we look at this parable, we're gonna, I want to ask two questions that will help us unpack critical insights that Jesus has for us. Number one, what makes it hard for us to have compassion in these moments? And number two, what does a compassionate life really look like? So let's start with the first. What makes it hard for us? Jesus begins the parable with a picture of someone hurt and in deep need on the side of a road. It's hard to pass up the uncanny parallel between what we're seeing today in our culture with the video footage of George Floyd in the street with a police officer's knee in his neck crying out, I can't breathe. Jesus pictures this scene of a man who is wounded, who is hurt, and then he pictures religious leaders coming into the scene. It's a priest and a temple assistant who are first, in the mo- first on the scene. And we see that they kind of have the same behavior. So when they come across this moment, it says that they both cr- first cross to the other side and then pass by this person. It's a powerful picture because in these moments where God has presented us an opportunity to be people of compassion, there's always gonna be a temptation for us to want to distance ourselves and pass by the moment. We're in a moment just like this. We're in a moment as a generation where we are tempted. We have an opportunity to either give into the temptation to withdraw and pass by or to engage this critical hour. And so Jesus wants to challenge us with this picture of these two religious leaders. And I think it's fascinating that he picks 
religious people as an example of what not to do. And I think that should be a warning for us and should invite us into an honest self-reflection. There's three things that we can learn from these religious leaders about what not to do and what makes it hard for us as human beings to engage with compassion. Number one, we don't relate to what people are going through. When the religious leaders come across this scene, maybe they couldn't relate to what this guy had been through. They had never been attacked and beaten and robbed and found themselves on the side of the road unconscious. When we can't relate to someone's experience, it's so much harder for us to engage. I remember when I went through a period of depression, anytime I met someone who was going through depression, it just like felt like my everything in me wanted to reach out to them and comfort them and encourage them and come alongside them. But when we haven't been through an experience that somebody else has been through, it's just hard to really care. For many of us, what happened to George Floyd is something we just simply cannot relate to. But for others, it represents a lifelong experience of inequality. Back to the parable. In this moment, when we can't relate, it's hard to believe that someone else's experience that we haven't experienced is real. And that's what's going on right here. We can kind of almost imagine as these two religious leaders are walking by that they might have thought, is this even real? Is this guy really hurt? Maybe he's just faking it. Maybe he's faking it to play on my sympathy, to draw me in. And out of my goodwill to help him, I'm really being set up to be ambushed and to be robbed and beaten myself. I think sometimes it can be tempting for us to think that to have compassion for others might mean that we're going to be deceived into taking a viewpoint that compromises things that we hold valued, that we hold as valuable or important. The second thing is, is it's gonna cost us. So the first challenge is that it's hard to relate sometimes and it's hard to have compassion when we can't relate. But the second is compassion costs us. It will cost us in time to be compassionate. It will cost us in money, emotional energy, reputation, comfort, and even our safety. Really to stop on this windy, dangerous road to help this person would have put those guys in danger. It would have been a cost of their own safety because what if those robbers were to come back and take advantage of them? And so there's always a cost for us that we have to decide, are we willing to pay? For these religious leaders, this is an unplanned for a moment. It's not like these religious guys were out looking for an opportunity to go find somebody to help. And so when they come across this moment, it's not what they were expecting. It's unplanned for. It interrupts their schedule. It interrupts their plans for the day. And so it's hard to allow our day, our lives to be what feels like being hijacked to care for something that we can't even relate to. And thirdly, it's controversial. So first, it's hard to have compassion we can't relate. Number two, it's hard when it costs us something Number three, when it feels controversial. You see, for a religious leader to stop and do something like this, to reach out and help this guy and touch him could have made them unclean and unfit for temple service. And so it was like a barrier for them. Do I really stop and help him and compromise my ability to do my job and serve in the, in the temple? And there's a controversial nature around uh, this call and cry for s- racial ine- equality right now. It's become politicized. And it's hard to engage this issue 
because we don't know if by engaging it, it's going to compromise our political views. But I want to read to you a quote by Martin Luther King Jr., who said this, and actually preaching a sermon on the very same passage, he said this, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. These religious leaders take their stand on the other side of the road and distance themselves as much as they can. Because I think hiding behind something, hiding behind the controversial nature of something allows us to justify keeping ourselves at a safe distance from having to really engage with our lives and put things at risk in our life, our safety, our comfort, our security, our current views. That's hard to do. And so maybe for us, we just want to ignore it. We pass it by. We don't want to say anything offensive. And so we don't engage. But what makes compassionate compelling? What is the vision that Jesus is giving us about being people of compassion that Jesus wants to draw us into? Because that's what this passage is really about, this picture of a lifestyle through the Samaritan that Jesus wants to inspire us with. In verse 33, Jesus brings a Samaritan into the story, bringing to surface a long-standing conflict between Jews and Samaritans. So to illustrate what being people of compassion looks like, Jesus uses a Samaritan. Now, I want to help you understand just how just controversial that was. Earlier in chapter 9 of Luke, if you were to go back and look at Luke 9, you would see a really sort of shocking moment where at a frustration and irritation, James and John asked Jesus, get this, they asked Jesus if they could pray and call fire down from heaven to destroy a Samaritan village. Now, I know that this is just a weird moment on many counts, but if we just cut to the core of this, what do we see here? We just see this idea that their frustration could get them to a point where they're ready to call fire down on an entire village and wipe a people out. And that's because there was an incredible tension and conflict between the Jews and Samaritans. And so Jesus purposefully anchors this conversation about compassion in a context of racial tension. And that would have been, that would have immediately grabbed the attention of his hearers. And that's what makes this radical compassion. Jesus is not just calling his followers to be compassionate, but he's calling us to be people of radical compassion because it means being willing to be compassionate in times that are controversial, times in which it might cost us something, times at which maybe other people want to pull back and, and stay a safe distance. But as followers of Jesus, we're called to draw near and to engage these moments. And it's so important in this time that we are people that draw near to this public outcry for justice and not pull back and withdraw. I want to just look at this picture and what it illustrates for us about what compassion looks like. All right, so I'm going to go back to the passage. We're reading from the New Living Translation. And so I want to draw out a couple key descriptive terms that illustrate what this Samaritan man does. Number one, it says that he saw. He saw the man. He was willing to see him. Number two, he felt. Number three, he soothed. Number four, he bandaged. And number five, he took care. To be compassionate means to stop and it means to care. 
So I want to go back over that and just kind of review what that means for us and unpack it a little bit more. Let's talk about what it means to stop. To stop means to really see people, to pause, to really look at what's going on in people's lives, especially when they're talking about something that is foreign to our own experience and not assuming everyone is having the same experience in our country that we're having. For example, black people make up 13% of our country's population. Yet if you go to the prison system, they make up, get this, 33% of the prison population. They make up the largest population of any single ethnic group that's in prison. They are only 13% of the population, but they are 33% of the prison population. That means that they are about six to seven times, a black man is six to seven times more likely to be incarcerated than a white man. Now, we could just argue and debate about why that happens, but let's just pause and get to the core point here, that there are people in our country who are having a really different experience than us, than perhaps you're having. And so the invitation from this passage is to stop and to see people, to see our country and to see life from their perspective, to see them as human beings, to see their need and to hear their cry and to listen to what people are saying. The Bible is so clear about this issue. Be quick to listen, James says, slow to speak. And you could also add, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to form your own opinion before you've listened to another person's perspective. Number two, it means to allow ourselves to feel. It says that he felt compassion, to feel the grief. When we see people, when we really look at what's happening, it touches our heart, and that's what's hard about stopping and looking, right? It was so hard for me to watch that video because it just wrecked me emotionally. But when you let that happen and you let yourself feel something, it opens your heart to have compassion. Jesus didn't stay in heaven and observe humanity's suffering from a safe, objective distance. He came to earth and carried that physical pain in his body, in his heart. It says that he wept with everyone that wept over Lazarus' death. He felt what we feel, and that's what is so powerful about Jesus, and that we are called to follow in his steps, to feel people's pain, and that opens us to compassion, to sharing God's compassion. Listen to this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says this, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. So that's stop. Now I want to talk about what it means to care, because feeling pain, seeing what people are going through, and feeling something is, is good, it's the beginning, but it's not enough. It's not enough to feel bad about what people are going through. We've got to care. I want to look at how the Samaritan illustrates what care looks like. It's more than feeling. Jesus says twice to go and do. Check this out. First, it means to soothe and bandage. Are we people who are a soothing presence in this time? Or on our Instagram feeds or on our Facebook posts or in our Twitter feed, are we saying things that are just provoking hurt and frustration and anger in people? Are we thinking about how our words are soothing the wounds and the pain that's happening in our country right now? Are we seeing it as an opportunity to voice passionately and intensely our political views to prove to people that we're right and they're wrong? 
It says that this man soothed and bandaged him. He was a person of healing in this person's life. And he actually got his hands involved and did something about it. And that leads us to this phrase that he took care of him. He took the man, he put him on his donkey, and he involved himself in a personal way. He didn't just give the man a Band-Aid, but he went the distance and he probably, it seems like he spent the whole day with this guy. I mean, he really just gave up his plans for the day and invested his time, his money, and his own physical safety for the sake of this other person. How does this passage speak to you? Because right now, this topic of racial inequality is so politicized and it gets so complicated, but Jesus wants to cut through to the core with us as his people, as his followers, and call us to a posture of compassion. What has been your posture over the last couple weeks around this issue? And how is Jesus calling you to respond in this time? For some of us, the temptation is to get really um, afraid of what's happening and to withdraw to zero in on our favorite news station and just to see the whole thing through a particular political viewpoint. Jesus is calling us back to his heart to meet with him, to talk to him, to open the scriptures and allow his heart of compassion to be our heart. And so today we're not gonna go and do the interview like we normally do. Instead, I wanna give you time in your homes, with your family, your friends, to talk about this message, to talk about what's happening in our country, and to ask ourselves, what does it mean for us to be followers of Jesus, to be people of compassion in this time? Secondly, uh, the other night, on Wednesday night, Mark hosted a conversation on Zoom with uh, Jeff Moore, Willie Briscoe, and Crystal Dungre, talking about racial inequality and different people's experiences, even right here in Carlsbad. So I wanna encourage you to go on our website and check out that conversation. It'd be a great way for you to continue this um, topic in your own life. Secondly, there are movies you can watch with your family, your friends, and have conversation. I wanna really recommend Harriet Tubman. It's on Netflix, check it out, powerful, or maybe it's on iTunes, I don't know. But Harriet Tubman, Apple or iTunes or on Netflix, and secondly, Just Mercy. Both of these movies are powerful. Watch them, talk about it with some friends, keep the conversation going. And lastly, if you want something to read, I recommend Strength to Love by Martin Luther Luther King Jr., a powerful book where we can see what it means to be a follower of Jesus amidst this topic of uh, racial inequality. You guys, thank you. I know this is a challenging topic, but I believe that God has anointed us to be his followers and his people for such a time as this. And I pray that you will be led afresh into God's compassion. God bless you. Have a good week. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.